Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The tongue, it's poisonous. You poison people against someone by what you say about them. And now that person that you poisoned about them will never be able to look at them the same way again. That's how deadly that poisonous tongue is. You can kill people with the tongue. You assassinate their character. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Everyone has blurted out something they regretted, but once it's said, it's out there. We didn't really mean it the way it came out of our mouths, but the damage is done. To try and fix it is like trying to get toothpaste back into the tube. Today, Pastor J.D. gives great examples of the destructive power of the tongue. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 18 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. You know the ironic blessing, Numbers 6, the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. Well, this is the opposite, the antithesis of that. Instead of God making His face to shine upon them, He's turning His back on them. And that is like the ultimate diss in the Middle East to this day, to turn your back on somebody. Instead of turning your face towards them and shining your face on them. Again, this is hard to read, right? Let alone imagine. But here's the thing. God really had no choice. I mean, He's given them endless chance after endless chance, and they still continue to harden their hearts and reject Him. Here God is being gracious and merciful, pleading with them through the prophet Jeremiah. Verse 18, Then they said, You have to bear with me on this one. Come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come and let us attack him with the tongue. Hang on. And let us not give heed to any of his words. Oh. Couple thoughts. First, textbook. You don't like the message, you take it out on the messenger. You don't like the message, so you attack the messenger. I'm just the messenger. Well, then <laughs> you don't like the message, and they did not like the message, so you're going to attack. This is so textbook. They're going to attack the messenger because they don't like the message? How are they going to attack him? Oh, the best possible way to inflict the most possible damage, the tongue. That's how we're going to do it. It's the best way. 
we can destroy them with our tongues. Is that not what we learned and are learning from James in our study through that book? But the tongue is so deadly and it's so poisonous. So they're going to poison people against Jeremiah. They're going to attack him with their tongue. They're going to make false accusations about him. They're going to constantly criticize him. They're going to discredit him. They're going to make YouTube videos about him, attacking him. Oh, here's the thing. The tongue, it's poisonous. You poison people against someone by what you say about them, and now that person that you've poisoned about them will never be able to look at them the same way again. That's how deadly that poisonous tongue is. You can kill people with the tongue. You assassinate their character. You murder them in your heart and you slander them with your tongue. And that's how we're going to attack him, with the tongue. I, we're not going to attack him physically, although when we get to chapter 20, we'll, we're going to see some of that. He's going to get incarcerated, but spoiler alert, by the way, <laughs> chapter 20. But we're not going to attack him physically. We're going to attack him with the tongue, because that's way more effective. It will accomplish that which we want to accomplish, because notice, let us not give heed to any of his words. We're going to so attack him with our tongues and discredit him and slander him and falsely accuse him and discredit him that nobody will listen to him. Because see, and Satan knows this, which is why he does this. And we're going to actually, I think in the prophecy update, be talking a little bit about this. But Satan knows that in our human sin, Adamic nature, you're guilty till proven innocent. Example, and you'll forgive me for this example. If I say to you about somebody else, um, I wonder if he still beats his wife. And then next week comes and you're in church and who should sit next to you but the wife beater? He beats his wife. You just destroyed him. You've falsely accused him. You've borne false witness against him. And you've done with your tongue exactly what Satan got you to do with your tongue. You're doing his bidding. When you slander and criticize and complain, I'm sorry, you'll forgive me again. And again, bear with me please. I'm just going to share my heart with you. When it comes to criticizing and complaining and slandering and gossiping, do you know it rises to the level of being included in Scripture on the same list as things like sexual immorality, murder? We're talking physical murder. 
and gossiping. It's like almost, wait, 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 that, that's on a different list, isn't it? No! It is included in the same list with things like murder and sexual immorality and wickedness and gossiping. It almost doesn't seem like it should be there. It is. Why? Because it rises to the same level as that in the eyes of God. That's how serious it is. And by the way, who was the first recipient of such a thing? And why is it in the Proverbs we're told that there are six things the Lord hates and the seventh is an abomination? You know what the seventh on that list is? The sowing of discord amongst the brethren. The talk, 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 the whisper campaign. See, Satan knows that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. He knows that. So he cannot do it from without. So how's he going to do it? From within. From within. That's another thing we're going to be talking about. A house divided, Jesus said, cannot stand. And so all you got to do now is start sowing the seeds of division, and it's just a matter of time. And once it starts, it is like a cancer that spreads, and it's terminal. That's why in the epistles, <laughs> replete really throughout Scripture, this is taken so seriously because of the damage that can be done if it's not stopped before it does that damage. Um, they're going to attack him with the tongue. Ooh, I'm not going to keep going on this. I know we talked in depth about this in our study through James, but just one last thought before we move on. I think we need to be oh so careful with what we say. And make no mistake about it, if somebody is talking stink about someone else behind their back to you, I promise you, I promise you, they're talking stink about you to someone else behind your back. I promise you that. You can take that to the bank. Well, actually, don't take that to the bank. <laughs> the whole banking system is anyway changing. So let's move on now with that. Verse 19, give heed to me, O Lord. This is Jeremiah now. After he learns of this, <laughs> they're now going to come against me, and they're now going to attack me, and they're going to attack me with the tongue. They're going to launch the campaign of gossiping and slandering and falsely accusing. Give heed to me, O oh Lord. Listen to me, Lord, and listen to the voice of those who contend with me. Shall evil be repaid for good? For they have dug a pit for my life. Remember that I stood before you to speak good for them, to turn away your wrath from them. And this is how they repay me. I mean, Lord, you know how many times, in fact, I pleaded with you and I prayed to you, and you said, stop praying on more than one occasion. Stop praying for them. I'm not going to listen to your prayers. Just stop praying for them. Their mind's already made up. Their neck is already stiff and their heart is already hardened. Their fate is already sealed. Stop praying. And here's Jeremiah. By the way, he loves them so much. 
If he didn't love them so much, it wouldn't hurt so much. I want you to think that through. This was so hurtful. I'm going to have to emphasize this because what comes after this will be misunderstood, grossly misunderstood, if you don't understand the heart of Jeremiah here. This is so hurtful. You know, there are times, and I think you're going to know what I'm saying when I say this, but there are times when you can get so hurt so deeply, you wish you didn't care so much, so it didn't hurt so much. When you love someone so much, they will hurt you proportionate to your love for them. Hey, if you don't care, no problem. But no, he cared. And he loves them so much. And he was interceding for them, praying for them. Please, God, don't pay them as your sins deserve. Turn your wrath away from them. Be merciful to them. I know they deserve it, but please, God, please be merciful. And I pleaded with you for them because of my love for them. I wanted good for them. And how do they repay the good that I wanted for them and pleaded with you for them? They repay it with evil. They want to kill me. They want to attack me now. They've already launched the campaign. Do you hear his heart? I sure hope so. Because of what comes next, starting in verse 21. This is Jeremiah now. She's still praying and asking God, And he asks for this, verse 21, Therefore deliver up their children to the famine, and pour out their blood by the force of the sword. Let their wives become widows, and bereaved of their children. I'm sure he didn't pray this with gritted teeth like I am right now. Let their men be put to death. Their young men be slain by the sword in battle. Let a cry be heard from their houses when you bring a troop suddenly upon them, for they have dug a pit to take me and hidden snares for my feet. Yet, Lord, you know all their counsel which is against me to slay me, to kill me. You're the one who told me about it. Provide no atonement for their iniquity nor blot out their sin from your sight. But let them be overthrown before you. Deal thus with them in the time of your anger. Okay. What happened to Jeremiah here? <laughs> Where, where's, the, where's the other Jeremiah? Because this doesn't sound like him. Eh, not so fast. Lest one think that Jeremiah has gone off the proverbial rails here. We would do well to consider that this is consistent with what are known as the imprecatory psalms, which we talked about and studied in our study through the book of Psalms, which are really prayers that leave the vengeance in God's hands. In other words, you're praying consistent with what God has already declared. 
See, he's already declared this judgment upon them. And now Jeremiah, it's almost like Jeremiah is now relenting and going, okay, Lord, you're right. I tried. I cried. I did everything I could. I don't want to see this happen, but now I see what you see. And I think now I know what you've known all along and you've been trying to show me which is why you told me to stop praying for them. The Lord is going to shape them. It's just going to have to be the hard way. (laughs) So instead of fashioning the clay as the potter on the wheel, He's going to have to use the furnace of affliction and the Babylonian captivity to do it. Did you get that? Oh, He's still going to have his way, but it's going to have to be the hard way. He wants to avoid the hard way. There's the easy way and the hard way. Come on, you bear witness with this, right? (laughs) I mean, what is it about us that we only learn the hard way? And Jeremiah just heartfelt has been wanting them to choose the easy way. Because you're going to get fashioned either way. But you're going to have to go into this captivity, this Babylonian captivity, and God will fashion you, but He's going to have to use that method instead. And you brought it upon yourselves. And Jeremiah is actually in agreement now with God and conceding to God, okay, now I understand, Lord, why? So you're going to judge them. Uh, It's a little chilling, isn't it? Pretty graphic, right? It's going to get more graphic. Chapter 19, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, Go and get a potter's earthen flask, and take some of the elders of the people, and some of the elders of the priests. And verse 2, Go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom, Ben-Hinnom, which is by the entry of the Potsherd gate, and proclaim there the words that I will tell you, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring such a catastrophe on this place, that whoever hears of it, his ears will tingle. I mean, we would say it in our day this way. It's going to make your ears ring. Catastrophic. This catastrophe that I'm going to bring on this place. Now, I don't want to take too much time on it. Time doesn't permit. I know we've talked about it. This valley, for those of you that have been to Israel with us, um, it was actually the valley of hell, really. (laughs) It's where they would sacrifice their babies to the uh, god Malach, which was a an iron statue with arms stretched out. And there was a fire in the belly, which is, by the way, where we get that expression. And they would sacrifice their child, burn them alive in this valley, Hinnom, 
And when you're on the outskirts of Jerusalem, you're looking down into this valley. And then it would subsequently become a rubbish, a dump site where they would dump all their broken pottery and they would burn it. They would burn all of their rubbish. And the fires and the smoke that would come out of that valley would burn day and night. And this is going to come into play here in a moment because of what they did in this valley in their worship of other gods. Verse 4, because they have forsaken me and made this an alien place. This is foreign. Because they have burned incense in it to other gods whom neither they, their fathers, nor the kings of Judah have known, and have filled this place with the blood of innocence. Those are the babies. They have also built the high places of Baal, the Canaanite god associated with Malach to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or speak, nor did it come into my mind. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that this place shall no more be called Tophet, which is in the original defined as fire, or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. And I will make void the counsel of Judah and Jerusalem in this place, and I will cause them to fall by the sword before their enemies, and by the hands of those who seek their lives, their corpses. Talk about graphic. I will give us meat for the birds of the heaven and for the beasts of the earth. And here it is again, verse 8, I will make this city desolate and a hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and hiss because of all its plagues. And verse 9, I will cause them to eat the flesh of their sons and the flesh of their daughters. And everyone shall eat the flesh of his friend in the siege and in the desperation with which their enemies and those who seek their lives shall drive them to despair. This would literally happen when the Babylonians came, exactly as it had happened prior when the Assyrians came. I'm not going to go on that one. I think it speaks for itself. This is what happens. This is how it ends. This is what rejecting God looks like and ends like. Now he's still talking to Jeremiah when he says, verse 10, then you shall break the flask, that clay vessel that you got. We got this visual prophecy. And you shall break the flask in the sight of the men who go with you and say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, Even so I will break this people and this city as one breaks a potter's vessel which cannot be made whole again, and they shall bury them in Tophet till there is no place to bury. Think about this. You've got this clay pot. It breaks. You're not going to glue it back together. It's done. It's no good anymore. 
it's just thrown into the rubbish. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout this book, the prophet Jeremiah is speaking words that God has given him, warning the Israelite nation that judgment is sure to come. But the people don't want to hear it. They'd rather carry on in their revelry, living their best life now. If you've noticed, there's a mentality of that in today's culture, too. Don't you dare give anyone warning about the red flags in their life. They're just taking that idea of eat, drink, and be merry and running with it. Unfortunately, these warnings in Jeremiah weren't heeded. and That's how it can be today as well, as God gives fair warning about what's to come in the future. But are you prepared for what God's warnings are? Have you taken heed to what he speaks and teaches about in his word? These aren't just mentioned as a side note. Everything in God's word is intentional and has a purpose. If you'd like to know more about what this all means, we encourage you to go to our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. There, you'll find the ABCs of salvation under the resources tab. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he can save you from a life and eternity without him. If you're in the area and would like to connect with some others in person about this, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition in Jeremiah, here on In Spirit and Truth.